It's that time again, Mitch Michaels here, the Money Mitch Effect, episode number 60. Thank you for listening. We got a great show planned for you today. Timon Amiri, video supervisor at the NFL Network, is going to come on for a lengthy chat as we discuss the Super Bowl run, how he got to his position at the network, a career in sports, his Oakland Raiders, whether they'll relocate, if they're going to contend for Super Bowls, and the Lakers as well. We, we talk about Kobe Bryant, and we also talk about some sports movie stuff. He's got an interesting take on the Rocky franchise. You're not going to want to miss that. Team Adam Mary, NFL Network, Money Mitch Effect. Show starts right now. Thanks for listening. Let's do this. All right, now joining us on the line on the Money Mitch Effect. Special guest this week for my NFL days, Timon Amiri. Timon, an NFL supervisor, video supervisor. Thanks for joining the show, man. Thanks, man. I'm happy to finally be on your podcast. It's pretty exciting. It's been a while. I know it's been a while we've been trying to set this up. I know you're a very busy uh, and assumedly so important man to uh, tie down, yeah. but, <laughs> but I, uh, I do appreciate you coming on. I got a lot of questions to ask you and just thought it'd be cool to kind of kick it with you about football, some other sports as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll start there with the NFL season. I mean, you guys, as someone that was there for a year for a season, I kind of understand how it works, how the grind shifts up. And we were saying right before we went on, it goes all the way through the combine. I mean, you're towards the tail end of your run. But I know you're breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief that you got through it, and it was a pretty good year for the National Football League. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was pretty busy, obviously, during the season. You know, it's pretty crazy. And then we kind of have, like, a little breathing space right now before Combine, but then obviously Combine's already in a week, so it's going to get pretty hectic then. And then after that, we prep for the draft, which isn't that mellow the time in between because you know they try to squeeze out a lot of you know content a lot of testing ground too but it's pretty it gets a little better after combine and then before we know it the season's back and life sucks again (laughs) yeah football season just feels like it's getting longer each year but i think that's a testament to the outreach at the sport that your network has i do want to start with your background and your somebody that's born and raised in L.A., an SC guy, University of Southern California. But what was it that drew you to sports, T-Mine? Because in getting to know you and chatting with you, I know you have other interests outside the sports world, but what got you to this profession and ultimately you think to this job? Honestly, it was kind of just the natural, just what, I mean, my parents used to watch the Lakers, and I don't know, I just gravitated towards it when I was a child, just both football and basketball. And it just, you know, I naturally just, I can't even recall a time where I, when I first watched it, it just kind of happened. And then before I knew it, I grew up and I was a consistent fan. So it was kind of natural. Right. And you you see that a lot with people in in the sports industry more so than not that they're just fans and it just, it was, uh, you know, derivative of that, that it was a sports fandom. It was just an interest, passion about what you do. But in, in talking to Timon, to a lot of other people in the NFL realm and the sports world realm out here, University of Southern California is almost a bit of a hotbed. Was it that way for you? Did you sense that that really pushed you towards, you know, a successful sports career given, you know, what that university does? You know, does? it's kind of funny because uh, <laughs> I, so I, my answer before was about like my fanhood of sports. I never really 
strive for a sports career before, like a career in sports media. Mm -hmm. um, I just got kind of lucky when I, out of college, when I applied. Um, I actually was a real estate development major in school, okay. so it was kind of a huge uh, 180 degree shift in what I was studying to actually going in the real world right after. Yeah, and I, I did want to ask you about that too, because I know you, I knew you had a real estate background, and as someone myself that had a bit of a business background going into it too, yeah. do you think that helps you in a way? Like I know you're, you're not sports driven all the way through educationally wise, but do you think that helps you to have that different perspective and that different set of training? I honestly think yes, but that's just me probably having, you know, a big ego. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure like a lot of, especially SC, it's a great broadcasting journalism school, whatever. But, you know, I've seen some people that work in the industry where, I mean, you know, there's just some skills that they lack right. just in general, which, I mean, but sometimes school can't even teach that, so can't really speak for that. But I, I think a lot of the stuff in that world is very teachable and learnable. So, I, in my opinion, think it would be better to even develop your skills or major in something else. But that's that's not, you know, realistic just because, you know, how often is someone going to hire, like, a totally different, you know, field to do the job. But that's just what I, I think it's better to, you know, develop your personal skills and stuff like that. And you probably know from your background that, you know, you learn a lot of stuff that that's not exactly sports related, but... It definitely helps out in communication. Absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing is just understanding that thought process, how to how to interact, how to communicate, as you said, and also just knowing how, I guess, the bigger systems work. I think that was the biggest thing I took away from, yeah. from my background in another industry. Definitely. Now, I, I did want to ask you about working at NFL specifically. It's an industry where there are a lot of younger people, you've gotten to be in a pretty prominent role, not to uh, pump your tires a little bit, but as, <laughs> <laughs> but as a video supervisor, I mean, if there's anything out there that you could, you know, say or give advice to people to separate themselves in a competitive industry, what would that be? I really think it's just like how, you know, how vocal and proactive you are and how you work with people. That's really is it. you got to really have like a good a good set of arsenal of social skills because you you do a favor for one random person and then before you know you're doing favors for a hundred people throughout the office and all of a sudden you're the man so yeah no i i think you you, you touched on a good point there and especially with a network like the nfl where there it's I don't think people on from the outside realize just how big and how diverse it is. I mean, there's a lot of different things just within the video department team, on right? I mean, that yeah. a lot of different deliveries, a lot of different you know partners that we're that you guys are dealing with on a on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And another unfortunate thing is like you know there are a lot of people like that. I mean, my position, I worked really hard for it, but some of it was because of luck. Just some stones fell in the right areas. There are a lot of people in that building that are awesome. But, you know, sometimes you need a little luck, and unfortunately it doesn't always work out for everyone because there are pretty good people there that should, you know, have more superior roles. But sometimes you just need luck and, you know, pieces of the puzzle will fall in place. And fortunately, luckily, that happened for me. Right. No, I mean, and that's anything I think in life is timing and just being fortunate, but also being ready for your moment, putting yourself in that position. 
And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I guess it, it's definitely worked out for you. And I think we're all trying to just kind of be in the moment as well, getting ourselves ready for that as I continue to chat with Timon and Miri on the Money Mitch Effect. I, I did want to ask you, on a more lighter note, you got to actually go to the Super Bowl this year. What was that experience like? And I know in your circle, it might be more of a, I don't want to say common experience, but maybe explain it to the people that don't get that fortunate benefit that much. Yeah, I mean, it was my first time going. Um, it was awesome. The game, obviously, everyone knows that it was one of like the you know better Super Bowls, better get comebacks we've ever seen. But on top of that, just, you know, the city was pretty... It was pretty cool seeing so many like little different stars, celebrities, icons in the sports world, just all being in one, you know, like one mile radius. Like it was crazy how packed it was and how many, how star studded, you know, just the streets were. So that part was the really cool part. Right. Did it feel like a different, like, did it even feel like a normal professional football game? Because it just seems like being there would be, feel like something totally different all the way through the halftime show and the long break before the second half even starts? Um, it's hard to say because I've actually haven't been to many football games. I went to a few in college, and I went to, like, I think one or two pro ones. I never really was a big fan of actually going to the football games because, you know, the seating, it, it, the angle is pretty bad if you don't have a really good seat. Mm-hmm. I've always liked tea, and I always loved, you know, hearing play-by-play. But no, it was really, it was like a, almost like a concert. It was super packed. You know, the energy was great. Even when, you know, they were getting killed, the, the vibes were still pretty solid in there, so. Right, and then that atmosphere, when the comeback, I guess, started, and then ultimately culminated in overtime, that had to just be insane, the energy in there, and just what, what the feeling of emotion was while that epic New England comeback was taking place. Yeah, it was really crazy. I and mean, actually, you know, I actually wish I could have heard play-by-play because I bet it was, you know, insane while, while that stuff was happening. Because, like I said, if you're not in a great seat or anything, it's kind of sucks because that Edelman catch, like, from the angle, we couldn't really see what happened until, like, we saw a replay. So it's just stuff like that where it was definitely, you know, amazing being there, but there's also benefits of the viewers watching it at home because, there's a lot of a lot of angles and commentary that's pretty really elevates the value. Right, you touched on that too. I mean, like the that's the one knock on not really being there is not being able to see in real time that Edelman catch looked like a catch or the Julio Jones catch before. I mean, if you're in the stands, how can you really tell? But but aside from that, I mean, I think it's just it is a one it is a great experience once in a lifetime for many. Glad you're able to go and then see one of the epic games that was something to savor for sure. But going forward, now, I should bring this up. You are a card-carrying members, member of Raider Nation. You think the yeah. Raiders are going to be in this position in the near future? Yeah, we would have been this year. <laughs> there um, it is, all right. Well, we got, yeah, the little injury. Football <laughs> Angels were pretty bad to us. I got to say, um, I, felt, I felt terrible for you guys, man. I was, I was actually back home with some family around, I think that was on Christmas Eve, watching that game, and I just... Not as a Raiders fan, just as a football fan, felt terrible for you guys when Carr got hurt. Yeah, it happened to like such a really, really good ambassador, I would say, of the league. Like you know, he's good on and off the field. Kind of depressing. 
Yeah, now I do think, though, I mean, you're right there with Carr being a, a good uh, ambassador on the league. But as far as playing goes, I mean, we, we talked about this, you know, many times. But the potential there for him to be, I'll say it now, the best quarterback in the league in the near future is there. I think you look at guys. Oh, like yeah. Him, you I agree, at, and I'm not yeah. being biased. But. <laughs> no, I mean, I think what I've seen, you look at him and you look at. Mariota would probably be that next generation of guys that I could say they're going to they're gonna carry the league for many, many years to come. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. Now, what do you think you guys need to do, though, to because uh, as great as he was, as great as Amari Cooper was, and, and Crabtree, obviously, that offense as a whole, defensively, you think there's some moves you guys need to make? Yeah, I, I actually think we got, what is it, Pagano's brother, yeah, John. As her, yeah, as a defense, I don't. It's weird what they're calling him. Like, not defensive coordinator, but assistant defensive something. I, I think having someone that's you know that's pretty like a veteran in the coaching world is pretty solid. I think they were pretty talented because like on paper it looked like they were like the all star team on defense. So it's kind of weird seeing them struggle so much sometimes. I think the pieces are fine. Maybe like a linebacker we need. And another safety, but I just think they got to be put in the right place and different scheme. Maybe I honestly thought they would dominate defensively, which they actually, you know, they got a lot better after their. They were horrendous the first five games. They were like, they like broke records of yards allowed, yeah. and they did get better. But they were just—I thought they were super talented, you know, talent-wise. So I, I don't think they need to like revamp their whole defense. Maybe a couple players, but. I just think it comes down to like how they're going to be coached defensively because it wasn't working out last year. I think the coaching is going to help. Uh, I think secondary is the big thing because we know how dominant Cleo Mack was last year. But when he wasn't get, able to get to the quarterback, fight through double and triple teams, that secondary kind of got exposed. I, you know, Those first two mm-hmm. games, I think they gave up like 1,000 yards on offense in two games. But they didn't get better. Yeah, they were terrible. <laughs> we'll see if they get better. I do think the pieces are there. I'm going to go on record, team. I was saying I don't think they would have been ready this year. I think they were about. I think next year and going forward. But it would have been tough for them to take out New England this year, even with a healthy car in a big playoff game at Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, I can see. I can understand why you would say that. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's uh, look that division race going forward. I know you guys were in the position you were, but the Chiefs got better. The Broncos still have that defense. Are you anticipating, like, kind of a dogfight for the years to come, or do you think the Raiders can just assert some dominance over the rest of the AFC West? I mean, it sucks because that division is pretty stacked. You know, you probably have to win at least 12 games to win it. So, I mean, it's not going to be easy. We might even get the wild card. But I think we're good enough to win 12 games, like, pretty pretty set in stone. We're pretty good for 12, I think, in my opinion. But yeah, that division is tough. It's definitely the most stacked division now. And I did want to I did want to kind of go off into a side here. As a Raiders fan, you know, your whole life, am I right in saying that Woodson's your favorite Raider ever? Or is there someone else? Uh, no, I think you're right because uh, <laughs> when I watched back in the day, he was really the only player that's been playing ever since I was you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I would. I, I definitely, yeah, I would say so. I mean, obviously right now, I love Carr and Mac and Cooper, but they're just, you know, they just came a couple of years ago. 
but yeah, you know, I definitely, no, I would say, yeah, I would say. Oh, well, it's been, well, we'll get to it later, but it's been a rough, I guess, a couple of years for you seeing some of your idols retire <laughs> going out in back-to-back sports, but no, I mean, I'm, look. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. I, 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 he's the only Michigan guy, I'll put it that way, that I have a ton of respect and admiration for because he's an Iron Man. I mean, you saw it out there. Charles Woodson played through a pain. He played everywhere. He was all over the field. And then he came back yeah. to Oakland. And, and really, I'll say this. He's the unsung hero because I think he started to change that culture of a losing culture. And he's you know retired, not able to, benef- to reap the benefits. But I don't think that locker room and culture really changed until Woodson got there It's the last time. Yeah, I agree with you. I was actually surprised he came back to Oakland because they were like winning like three games that year. And he he came back, which kind of, you know, like you said, it did get everyone pretty excited, even though they knew we would have struggle for another year or two, which we did. But he was probably the only person you could name on that defense when he came back that year. Yeah, and I remember he almost got into a fight with uh, players when you guys won your first game, you know, because <laughs> what was it? Three years ago, when the team was zero twelve to start the season, or something like that, and players oh, were yeah. celebrating. Oh yeah, we beat the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, he was he was ready to throw down. But yeah, I have a lot of respect for Woodson, and uh, we even talked about how if that time it, it, before they hired Del Rio, he would have been the perfect player coach on that team. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's a like you said, he's an Iron Man, and he's good at everything. So still chat with Team Amiri on the Money Mitch Effect NFL video supervisor chatting some sports here before we switch to uh, another topic on a more serious note the Oakland Raiders are another team that's again being talked about relocating it's been thrown a lot mm-hmm. a lot thrown around a lot recently do you think that the Raiders really will leave Oakland and what do you think the best end game result to all this is um i think they'll be in Oakland and i think the best result would be to stay in Oakland that being said, I honestly don't care because I'm not from Oakland. And I know I'm a fan of the team, so I could care less where they're playing. But that's a little off topic. But, yeah, I think Oakland, they should stay, and I think they will end up staying. You know, it's a tough one, too. I really do think it's it's a more difficult one to understand because it's not like they have been in Oakland their whole franchise's history. And they do have a passionate fan base. A lot of people, I think, like yourself, that would still remain fans regardless of where they're playing. But I do think Oakland's the place to be for this franchise. I think they have that community. They have that fan base that is centralized there. I'm just not seeing Vegas. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe down the road, but I, I think it'd be awkward. And I don't know that it's the best place for Mark Davis to take his football team. Yeah, I think that fizzled off, too, after the... The golden sack. I forgot. Backed out. Yeah, you know it's, and I don't know. I mean, we're seeing relocation. You always said you didn't. You actually didn't want the Raiders to come to LA back when the first round of relocating started. And now, fast forward, we have two, two pretty average to below average teams in the Los Angeles area. So, there we go. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> it really does. I'm actually excited to see what it looks like for uh, a football team playing in a soccer stadium. That's going to be an interesting visual. <laughs> But relocation, it just kind of sucks. It's just it's a greedier way to do things. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping the Raiders stay in Oakland. I think it's best for, for everybody. Yep, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think anybody was really happy with the Rams nor the Chargers. So. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's a very fair way to put it. 
I did want to discuss some of the free agency coming up. And not that we're going to get too into it, Timon, but there's some big names that may be out there, some, some potentially Hall of Fame names. Do you see, I'll start with this guy, Adrian Peterson. Do you think he'll really leave the Vikings and, and will we see him in another uniform this year? Um, I don't know much about what's going on with him, but I'll just go off my <laughs> gut and say I think he'll leave. It's just the money owed, you know. It's the do the Vikings want to keep paying him? Will he re- will he accept less money? Is the big thing. I don't think he will. I don't know that he he should. But you know, the guy's what thirty one now. I mean, I know he's a freak, but how long can you keep being that dominant? And, and he's had injuries now too. That's unfortunately the other narrative. Yeah, he's a beast, though. I wouldn't I wouldn't let him go, but that's just me. Yeah, well, there is that. And, uh, yeah, it's if he's there, you, you believe he can defy time, but you know, eventually aging catches up to everybody, except for maybe Tom Brady. Um, but one other note on free agency, team on there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be shuffling. Do you think that we'll see, I'll say Romo, is he the guy that's going to swing the power of an AFC team? Will, will he end up with one of these good teams, you think? Chiefs, Texans, maybe Broncos? You know, I think he might. I, I really don't want him to go to one of the AFC West teams because right. he'll instantly make them, you know, it's just going to make that division more competitive, which sucks for us because one of those teams is going to win like 11 games and not make the playoffs somehow, which is stupid. But yeah, I, I'd rather have him go to the Texans or something. But he's definitely going to, you know, change the dynamic of the team. He's a, he's a beast too. He's just been unlucky with the injury bug. Geez, that's right. I didn't even think about that from your perspective. How much scarier do the Broncos or Chiefs look if he's their, their quarterback? You know, they look pretty. They're going to both look pretty good. It's going to really be, you know, those three, they'll, they'll, all three of them will win at least 10 games, and unfortunately one of them not going to make it, which sucks. But I, I think the Chiefs are declining just in general, even if they get Romo. I just never bought into them. Yeah, the Chiefs are an interesting team to me because they're so, I guess, boring would be one way to put it. They're just a very conservative, run-of-the-mill team that does you know, just about everything fundamentally right, but they're not flashy. They don't, Other than Tyreek Hill, they don't really have a ton of playmakers. I think they matched up with you guys really well last year. Not just saying that because they beat you twice, but the fact that they no, were... No, they have our number. They do, yeah. The Broncos, though, if they get a good... If they get something at that quarterback position... And the defense regroups. I don't think they'll ever get to that elite level form if they regroup. I think they're scary too. It just is. It's a tough division, you know. And the Chargers aren't complete jokes. I mean, they're the fourth best Chargers team in that good. division. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I think it's. I think we can agree it's the best pass rushing division. I mean, you got Bosa, yeah. you got Houston, Mac. I mean, Von Miller. Geez. Yeah, I mean they're. Yeah, they. I think they're the best division. I really do. Right. Oh, I would. Uh, I would agree with that. I do want to switch now, talking with Timon Amiri on the Money Mitch Effect, to another sport, another one of your passions, and that's the NBA. And I think it goes without saying, anybody that's known you, Timon, will say you're a diehard Laker fan. And we will start with the current version of the squad. It's been an interesting stretch for Laker fans, because all they've known up until about 2013 was dominance and winning. Are you are you itching yeah. for that to come back? Are you, I know it was a little weird to see it first, but is that worn off? Are you just now desperate to get that team back up and uh, winning games again? Yeah, I mean that 
that era was tough because we had like you know a once in a lifetime player, and then we had we actually had pretty good pieces on top of that, some Hall of Famers too. It's kind of tough with this squad; like they're talented, but nowadays in the NBA, you need a lot more than just you know some young talented players. You need like a LeBron, and that's, they're not coming often, so I really don't know. You know, unless you have like the Spurs build team building process, I really don't know. You know, it's probably going to be a while till they till they could contend. But that's you could say that about any team because there's really two teams that are contending because they have, you know, the Spurs or the Cavs and um, the Warriors too. But like I said, it it sucks because I don't I, I don't see I don't know who's going to be like that next star, and you really need that guy on your team to contend and we don't have that yeah i mean i just look at it like the nba now and i'm with you in the sense that i think it's gotten so top heavy that it's tough it's tougher to follow and get excited on a daily basis when only two three maybe four teams are really contending every year it's just so centralized and talent at the top but if you build through the draft if you get fortunate enough to find that once in a generation player you may be able to turn things around. It's just not as rapid as uh, we would uh, like to see. But, you know, kind of going off that, team on with the Magic Johnson factor, we'll get to him in a second, but there was a potential, maybe a potential trade opportunity for the Lakers, some guys, Boogie Cousins, Paul George, but the team did not want to part just yet with Brandon Ingram. Do you think that was wise? Do you think Ingram's going to be a player in, for the years to come for this Laker team? I think it was a good decision. I mean, it's, you can't let go. I mean, he he could develop into he can become a star. You know, there are a lot of players that were they were garbage their first year. Kobe was garbage his first year. He was he was you know he was a flash off the bench that was exciting. No one, I don't think anyone expected him to dominate two years later and become one of the best. So you really got to just let them let them play a little. He's what he's nineteen years old. I don't blame them. He's still growing into his body, and it's just too early to tell. I mean. For Cousins, you're getting a volatile guy that doesn't like to lose, which there's going to be some losing initially wherever he goes to any of these teams that were going after him outside of maybe Boston. But, you know, and Paul George could be a guy you sign in a year and a half, so why risk the farm now to try to get him through trading one of your young pieces? I, I think they got to just wait this out. I think Walton's a good coach. I think... If they bottom out and get a top three pick, you look at him as getting another lottery guy. Maybe that's the final piece they need. But team on Magic Johnson, now president of basketball operations, he's one of the best, if not the best, Laker of all time. Definitely a top five player of all time. But do you think he's going to shine in this role, something he's never done before? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of like an authority. And that you know in that role, that kind of serves a lot. I think it's really hard to mess up in that role, especially with his credentials, so I, I think he's going to be totally fine. Well, you say it's hard to mess up. I mean, the last couple of years, the Laker brass hasn't really done a good job <laughs> in that role. Yeah, exactly. So it's only going to get better. Yeah, no, I, I think to, I just, I hope he surrounds himself with the right people to help him make decisions. Because if he does that, if he's not too authoritative at first, really, because he is outside of his element in this newer job. I think he's going to be maybe the best recruiter. I mean, Timon, if you were a free agent in the NBA and you could go anywhere and you walk into that room with Magic and, and the Laker brand, like that's got to be at the top of your list if you're a big-name free agent now. 
Yeah, especially if you're a younger one too, because they're all their average. Their stars is like 23 years old, 22 years old, which is crazy. So it's it's only going to get better. It's a pretty good destination, in my opinion, given the youth and the talent. I mean, they they they're not great right now, but in a couple years, hopeful. Yeah, and I'm not even really a Laker fan, team mom, but you know as well as anyone that. The league's just a little better when the Lakers are relevant, right? Like, they just, it's better to have a historic brand relevant in the discussion. No, 100%. Especially, I mean, the league could use a lot of teams that should be relevant, but obviously, Lakers are a bigger name, so definitely it only helps everybody. Yeah, and I still haven't really, I mean, I think I know maybe one or two people that I've met in my three years in LA that are Clipper fans. So, <laughs> so yeah. I didn't know how bad it was. I mean, you'd always said, and a few others, that no one's really a Clipper fan, but I guess I needed to take your word for it. Yeah, don't tell them that. <laughs> no. no, 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 can't can't do that. Well, before uh, before we move it along here on this show, Team on Amiri, Money Mitch Effect, while we're on the topic of the NBA, i got to give you time to discuss your hero, Kobe Bryant. So I, I I just want to start with where did the affection come from? I mean, was it right from the time he was a rookie, or was there a moment where you just got on board with as a young, as a kid being a Kobe Bryant fan? Yeah, so my first basketball game I went to it was his rookie year, and he it was a it was actually one of his better. He only averaged like he wasn't that great his rookie year, but he he obviously had his flashy moments, and luckily it was one of those flashy games that. I got to see with my friend, so he definitely stood out, even though he was, you know, just a young rookie, and then, you know, I just kept following him, and there he is. <laughs> there he yeah, and there he is, and, and really, I'll start with this, I mean, the dunk contest is rookie year, which happened in Cleveland at that 97 All-Star game, that put him on the map as, as just this freak athlete nationally. Uh, yeah. But, you know, what I noticed, too, is, and I'll say it like this, I became more of a Kobe fan towards the end of his career, just respecting the competitive nature, just how how passionate, how, how much he just hated to lose and would not lose. He was just relentless out there. But I felt like that generation right after Jordan retired in 98, the T-Mac, Vince Carter, Kobe generation, the media kind of propped up like, okay, we need the next Jordan. And they really put a lot of you know pressure on these guys early on. I think it took some time. Kobe eventually molded into that assassin, but I think he had to, you know, take time to really develop into being the all-time great that he ended up. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about it before, about, you know, how teams need stars, and I mentioned, like, Ingram was a rookie, and, you know, they should have, it was good that the Lakers kept him. Because, like, Kobe took him a couple years to really dominate. And even, I mean, it even took LeBron, I mean, his rookie year he was great, but he wasn't, like, dominant LeBron so it really it took these guys a year or two and then it just kept going uphill from there so what was your favorite moment or moments from Kobe's Laker run I know there's so many to choose from but were there a few that you remember exists where you were and just a reaction to the Kobe experience yeah I was at the uh the game seven against uh Portland in the Western Conference in 2001 you know value yeah was on the commercial yeah that was you know that was pretty special obviously because i was there and it was my memorable game but actually my favorite moment was which kind of sucks how it ended was his run when we had dwight right before he tore his achilles 
that, you know, we were, we were like almost not going to make the playoffs. And then he went crazy towards the end of the season, literally carrying that team by himself, game winners and whatnot. And we had the seventh seed at that point. We would have played, I'm trying to think who we would have played. We would have been the most dangerous seventh seed ever because we had Dwight, Nash, Kobe, Gasol. And he was literally carrying that team, and they were clicking finally. I know it took them like 70 games. And then the, the Achilles tear happened, and then obviously we got swept in the playoffs first round because he's not there. But before that, it was depressing how it ended. But before that, that was honestly my favorite because he literally was no one even remembers that because the Achilles, you know, took over the took over all the glory in that. But he literally was carrying that team, you know, from we almost didn't make the playoffs and he carried them like a twenty game stretch and we were gonna be the hottest team. The best seven seeds the league's ever seen. We probably would have made noise. Well, and I do remember though, the silver lining there to showcase what Kobe stood for was the free throw shooting on a torn Achilles when he tore it. I mean, he yeah. he shot his free throw. He didn't lay on the court. And that's something that, as I got older, I, I keep saying it, but, you know, seeing that, like seeing a guy who had every reason to be down on the floor get up and still finish, you know, shooting his free throws, that was pretty cool. And that was something you don't see, unfortunately, in the modern-day NBA that much. Yeah, it definitely was bittersweet. Well, I do think my, I told you this, but it was uh, the 20, 2002 or 2003 season, I can't remember, but you guys ended up winning the division, being Portland on the last game of the year, and Kobe hit two oh, yeah, beaters. Oh, yeah, I totally should have mentioned that, too, the turnaround. <laughs> two of them. That, that was like, epitomizes like a buzzer beater. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, young Kobe was was one of my favorites, too. Just He had that young Jordan in him, that, you know, that freak athlete that you just weren't sure what the ceiling was. Uh, and it was kind yeah. of fun to see. But, you know, I had to ask you about the Kobe, you know, you being a lifelong Laker fan, did the dynamic shift when it went from Kobe and Shaq just straight dominating to there was clearly a beef between the two that ultimately led to Shaq and Phil Jackson's first exit? Yeah. After that, it was kind of, you know, it definitely was sad. But looking back on it, and, you know, you hear them, they've talked about it before themselves, it was definitely worth it to break up because they wouldn't have been seen as dominant individual players. Mm -hmm. They would have always been seen as Kobe and Shaq, which, you know, they probably could have won like seven or eight titles together. I mean, it sounds crazy, but they maybe could have. But it's almost better that they went their separate ways because it's, they were just too, too dominant. I mean, I don't like the, I don't like, you know, these super teams like Durant and whatnot, the Warriors. So I'm kind of glad they've separated and went their ways and both established their legacies as individual dominant players. Right. I feel like they both, I definitely regretted how they handled certain things. Um, but that happens with sports. I mean, you aren't always thinking clearly, especially when you're younger. I know Kobe was in his, you know, mid-20s yeah. at the it's time. It's almost like there were two, it was almost like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were on the same team. You yeah. have to, you got to go your separate ways. So the last game he ever played, Timon, I'm surprised you didn't mention that as your favorite moment, the game against the yeah. Jazz. I watched it as it was happening, and, and I'm not even invested in, in in L.A. basketball or really Kobe's legacy as much as the locals like yourself are. But what was going through your mind when the final three minutes were happening when it turned into the Kobe Bryant show one last time? Um, 
I don't know. I was just kind of watching it, and you know, I was getting pretty excited, and it wasn't like that surprising because he's kind of. I kind of expected him to do something like that his last <laughs> okay. game. You know, he missed a lot of shots in the beginning, but he was flawless his last three minutes, which was crazy. And it was just kind of a perfect, you know, ending to his career. Wasn't really surprised. I really wasn't. I was just pretty excited for him. Yeah, I thought too. I mean, the the biggest thing in that game that people are going to forget, and I don't think it's a detail that people need to remember, but the Jazz getting knocked out of the playoff picture, like right before tip-off, that set the tone mm-hmm. for they're not going to be trying to just gun it, go for the game. Kobe took advantage of that, and, and you know, it's, that's, a, that's a typical response, but not one that I disagree with, that Kobe had one game left in him. He was that boxer with one more performance left in, in his arms, and you know, it was it was cool to see, especially how he went out. I was shocked too, Team, on that. You know, he changed a lot. He he got very very graceful and and he was almost like a humanitarian at the end, just so nice. I mean, he was ruthless early in his career, but he became that old beloved veteran at the end. Yeah, no, I mean, he they definitely both grew. Like I said, I'm. Ha- I mean, it would have been cool to see them both play together for longer, but it it was for the better of sports in general that they separated. So in your opinion, do you think Kobe's the greatest Laker of all time? Uh, I do. I really do. Okay. Well, I've put him second on my list. And I take into yeah. account career with that franchise. It's not the same. I think one thing people mess up is it's not greatest players ever. It's greatest to wear that uniform. And I can't put yeah. him ahead of, I can't put him ahead of Magic, man. That's the one guy that I think he I think he got ahead of Kareem but just before Magic. It's definitely fair. He meant a lot to the Lakers, and uh, obviously all those guys did, but I go Magic just because from 19 to, you know, all the way through his career, he just took that took that city by storm. And you can make a case. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Jordan guy, but if, is that, are those Showtime teams the greatest teams of all time? It's very possible. No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I, uh, you go Kobe and Shaq think, uh, over those teams. I in the seven game series, you think that Kobe and Shaq's Lakers pick any one of those three years would beat the Showtime I, Lakers. I I actually do, yeah. Oh, okay. I I mean that would be that's one of the best matchups in theory. We'd obviously never see it without a time machine or well, I'd, celebrity I'd, death I'd match. I'd like but... to see them play the '96 Bowl too. Yeah, and I I feel like I'm I'm throwing them under the bus, and, and that's my favorite team probably of all teams ever, but I don't know that the 96 Bulls, I mean, they'd have trouble with Shaq, obviously, so with Showtime. But, 100%. But the thing with Showtime, Tima, is that Kareem, at 35, was aging very slowly. He was still dominant. could still burn you with yeah. the hook, and... Yeah, I think the perimeter defending. I think if we're going to talk about the 80s Lakers, the most underrated aspect is the guys like Byron Scott and Michael Cooper. I mean, yeah. the, the hardest guy that Larry Bird said has ever guarded him was Michael Cooper, and he had magic. Just yeah, Cooper was a beast. Yes. But Shaq just punked people, man. I, I, they, there'd be a lot of trouble there. <laughs> he did. What would have happened if he would have uh, if he would have collided if he would have landed that punch on Brad Miller? <laughs> Uh, you know. I mean, he probably would have got, you know. He didn't really look like a real punch, though. That was no. kind of like a sloppy, no. you know, swing. So probably yeah. would have just bruised him. Yeah, for sure. Well, Team Mary, before I let you go, talk with you on the Money Mitch Effect, I do want to bring up one last thing. I know you're a sports guy. I know you're a sports movie guy. 
We got to settle. We got to settle one debate in particular. I know it's your favorite movie in the series, but is it, <laughs> is it really your favorite sports movie ever, Rocky Four? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh man, now I don't want to disagree on the grounds that I sound un-American, and I understand why you appreciate that movie. I appreciate the hell out of it. But of all the Rockies, really, Rocky Four? Yeah, I mean, pretty. It's pretty clear, like like clear number one. None of them really come close. Not even the first one. Not even the underdog story. Million to one shot. I I didn't like I didn't like the first one that much. Kind of weird. Wow. I actually okay. go four. I go four, three, two, and <laughs> yeah, that's it. I actually that's watched all. five the other day. That's... Five wasn't that bad. Five is um, one scene. Five is the street fight. That's the movie. Yeah, it, it wasn't that bad of a movie, though. I rewatched it. It kind of gets a bad rep. Rocky Six, I mean, it's just called Rocky. It wasn't that bad either, where he, he's like 50. And <laughs> yeah, he makes a comeback to one before Creed. He's like 60, fighting the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, look, I go, I go one, probably two, four, three. Um, and I like Rocky Four, and I like the story behind it, but... It did get a little... I mean, there's some parts in that movie that get a little outrageous, but you could say that in every Rocky movie. I'll yeah, say, yeah. I'll say this, though. The ending... I mean, we always talk about the final minutes of movies. I'd agree with you that from the time he trains in Russia to the fight, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. That's like... Let's yeah, go, I don't that, care what else it, is It's on. a short movie, too, and it gets pretty straight to it, which is good. Yeah, you had that going on during the Cold War period, and you had... They had Drago come to the ring. I always like the James Brown introduction of Apollo right before he's murdered in the ring. Yeah, when he got when he got ended. Pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, it was. But no, I'm a, I'm a Rocky guy as well. We've had that discussion before, and I think I, I do. Okay, I'll, I'll end it with this. Maybe an unpopular opinion. I don't know how you stand on this, but I'm not the biggest Creed fan of the, that movie. And any. Oh, I actually movies. liked. It. Well, actually, I I actually thought it was. Pretty close to Rocky Four. Wow. Okay. So you put that ahead of all the other Rocky movies? Yeah, I liked it oh. a lot. So it was. It was basically the same as Rocky One. Pretty much the yeah, same. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't really mind like the repetitive storylines. Everybody gets pretty. <laughs> they get pretty dramatic about that. But I. I go by what I enjoyed emotionally. So I'm not gonna cry about storyline that's repetitive right and well, I'm, I'm not like i'm no one to judge what an oscar performance is i just like what i see and i like that movie so yeah right to the point right to the I'm point great truth yeah and uh, and i guess too we can end with maybe the best speech maybe not just in sports movies but in movies in general rocky basically ended the cold war speech? yeah that was good. That was uh, that was uh, as entertaining of uh, an ending to a sports movie as I could see. It's anytime well, it's they, emotional speech, yeah. Anytime you can beat the Russians, it's a good thing. But <laughs> all right, I do, and I do think too. That was the worst uh, Adrian performance in all the movies. She basically said he couldn't win beforehand. That's like thanks. Yeah, I I, I hated her after that actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like thank you. I've only just I've won the title. I've done everything. I've taken you with me, and now you think I'm, I suck. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, should have divorced him. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, Team Out of Mary. Thanks for joining the show. This was fun. We're gonna have to do it again in person. Yeah, sometime, man, that hopefully. was cool. Yeah, we'll do one in person. All right. Thanks again, Team Out, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks, brother.
Big thanks to Team Out of Miri for coming on the show. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And yeah, Adrian, she could have been a little nicer to Rocky. That's all we're saying. I think we, we agree on that. And I promise not to chase any retirement tours like Paul Pierce. So I gotta mention that. That was some top flight grade eight trash talk by Draymond Green last night in that game. The trade deadline came and went in the NBA. There were some minor moves, but nothing major after our show earlier this week. We're going to recap all the NBA moves in the stretch run next week. Got some interviews planned for you as well. Hockey trade deadline is coming up. Some teams just won't die. Those Islanders are there. You know, you got teams that are are still not sure what to do. We'll recap that. NFL Combine next week. We're going to touch into that. It's baseball coming around the corner. Everything's happening. It's a great time to be a sports fan. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the sports you may watch.